Good morning, everyone. Thank you for that really warm welcome. Um, so as Tope and Andy said at various points throughout the meeting, uh, I'm Tex. I'm on the staff team here at the church, and I oversee our youth work, uh, which is a real privilege. Um, I just recognize that uh, just because of time, I'm going to jump straight in, really. And uh, we're continuing our sermon series in 1 Peter. Uh, last week, my dad, Clayton, he spoke about um, us having hope in the midst of our suffering. And um, in some ways, if you think about a coin, which uh, a little picture will come up here, um, if you think about suffering like a coin, on one side, we've got where my dad spoke about suffering, and we've got hope in the midst of that suffering. Today, we come to uh, maybe the other side of the coin where Peter talks about us having a little bit of a challenge in the midst of our suffering. There's not just a sense of comfort, but also a sense of mission. So what I'm going to do is uh, we're going to read the passage twice. So Tope is going to read it once, and then Emma's going to read it straight afterwards. Going to go from two different versions. Um, and the reason I, I want to do this is because I recognize that I've been sat in this passage for a few months and maybe you haven't. And so where I'm quite excited, you might just need a little bit of catching up to see what we're doing in the passage. But I'm also confident that as we read the Bible, that the power of God's word would be at work in us. Yeah. So over to you, Tope. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached, even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So we're reading from the New Living Translation. So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. You have had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties, and their terrible worship of idols. 
Of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of the wild and destructive things they do. So they slander you. But remember that they will have to face God, who stands ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead. That is why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. So although they were destined to die like all people, they now live forever with God in the Spirit. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself was speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. 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 Thank you, Toppe. Thank you, Emma. Uh, great few verses there. Um, but before I go on, I really just want to frame this morning almost with a question. Um, and the reason I want to do that is because I 100% believe that Reading Family Church, God has something mighty in store for us in terms of bringing God's kingdom to the town of Reading and beyond. Yeah? I mean, at the moment, you don't look too excited about it. But uh, if I'm really honest, uh, when I, uh, at the moment, we're encountering God powerfully in these meetings. Uh, not only here, but on a, uh, on a Friday with our young people, with our kids' work, in other groups that I'm not even seeing. Maybe you know where they are. We're encountering God powerfully. Uh, and the reason we're doing so is not for the sake of ourselves, but it is because God is calling us to be a blessing to the town of Reading and beyond. And uh, I really believe that as we encounter God, this church is going to bless the town of Reading and beyond. And, and when I say that, please, when I say Reading Family Church, I hope that you aren't thinking now, oh, the staff team, the elders, the deacons, it is you. I hope you're saying it is me and it is the people in the room. Like maybe look around at the people around you now. Like this is it. This is who God is calling us to be, a light to the town. And this, I've been really excited to preach this passage. And, you know, I really feel that even the songs that we've sang, the things that we've prayed about, God is calling us to live out this passage. You know that song, Hosanna? It says, everything I am for your kingdom's cause. Yes. Yeah? I don't know how many times have we sang that, but do we mean it? Everything I am, not just a little bit of me, but everything I am. Amen. Because when I look at, you know, just the two things that we've prayed for this morning, the world needs Jesus and the way that he's bringing it is us, yeah, by the power of his Holy Spirit. I do just want to say thank you for praying for Child Q. Um, just, um, I got a little bit more emotional than I was expecting. And um, because sometimes issues like this, as a person of color, can feel like they go unseen. But just these moments, knowing that my brothers and sisters in Christ have stood with me, a person of color, have really meant loads. And it's kind of in these moments that we want to see, we want to follow Jesus, right? And in this passage, it starts off with the first few words, Christ suffered, yeah? And for me, that looks like we follow a savior, Jesus Christ, who is radical, who has given himself up for the sake of others. And the question that I want to frame this morning with and ask you is, are you willing 
to follow this radical Jesus. I'm genuinely asking that. I'm asking that of myself, saying, Tex, are you willing to follow this radical Jesus? So this morning, I'm assuming you're saying yes, that you want to follow this Jesus and you want your life to look accordingly. And I love that this passage shows us uh, really three simple things uh, that will come up now. Um, and you know, I've given you all three right at the start, so you know when I get to the last one, sweet text, I know you're close to being done. Because um, I know often when someone says, I'm closing, I'm like, I know you're not closing. But now you know, when I get to kind of living for others, we will be. But I just want to look at three things of what it looks like to live like Christ lived. Because that is ultimately what we are here to do, is to live as Jesus has lived. And, um, you know, just a good thing to remember that this passage starts with since and therefore. So that's always a good prompt to always look back and think, oh, what was said the previous passage? So what happened was last week in chapter 3, we looked at the idea of that suffering is going to be part of our lives. We know that. But we can find hope in the midst of that suffering. And like I said, the other side of that coin, and what we're going to see here, is that we hear something maybe we don't feel comfortable with, something we don't want to hear, but there's almost a little bit of a challenge and a sense of mission for us. That suffering isn't something that stops us from being on the front foot for God. But instead, we are supposed to live our lives like Jesus did. That is the first point, to live as Christ lived. Now, Peter uses this word, arm yourself, with the same way of thinking. And that is very much the same word that Paul uses uh, in his passage in Ephesians about putting on the spiritual armor of God. And basically what Peter is saying is that the idea of suffering, we shouldn't be surprised about it, but actually in some ways our lives should have suffering because our lives should be looking like Christ. That's exactly what Jesus' life looked like. It was full of suffering, not just his moments on the cross, but his whole life where he was pushed out, marginalized, all for the sake of others, for you and I. We shouldn't be surprised that that should be in our lives. And you know, what I love about this is that maybe last week, the passage, it's where we can lean into the comfort of Jesus. We can lean into, man, this is what Jesus has been through. But I really feel that in this passage, almost the second half, is that we get to lean into the victory of Jesus, yeah? So the same power that Christ endured through his suffering is the same power living in you and I. So we know that in the midst of our suffering, when we arm ourselves and are like Christ, we can know the same power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in us in the midst of suffering for the sake of the gospel. And I just, I just want to be really clear. Uh, Peter here and I am not glorifying suffering. And I'm not saying we have to be martyrs. But I do think there is something about our lives having to look like Jesus's. Yeah. So a little bit, what does it mean for us? Um, I know if you look at our culture, we hate being uncomfortable, don't we? We avoid it at all costs. Like I know I would rather take the bus to work than I would cycling, because I find cycling so horrendous. But I know there are loads of people on the staff team, they love it, they love cycling. It's not miserable for them. Ian, rain or shine, he's cycling, isn't he? Yeah, there he is. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, um, but the whole idea is like, I don't know what, what, what comfort, you know, what uncomfortable thing do you avoid? Um, but our culture, we avoid, uh, like, we avoid being uncomfortable at all costs. 
And um, I really like this quote from Soren Kierkegaard, who is a Danish theologian. He helps us understand what it means to really follow Jesus. Um, and this is what he says. He says, genuine Christianity, so real Christianity, uh, Christianity is anything but doctrine. So it's not just intellectual. It's not just theology. It's a way of being in truth before God by following Jesus in self-denial, in sacrifice, and in suffering. What this is saying is that real Christianity is living like Christ, is living like Jesus. And um, without being overly spiritual uh, in some sense, I genuinely feel that the way that the enemy, the devil, would want to push God's kingdom back in the Western church is to whisper in our ears to just be comfortable. Don't take any risks for Jesus. You just stay in your box, stay in your lane, and that's where you need to be. And sometimes we, we, we lean into it too much. You know, we, we want to hear that voice because life is hard. I, I completely understand that. But our Savior's life looks completely different. And, sh- and, and what Peter's showing us right at the beginning is that we need to live lives just like Jesus did. And, we, and by doing that, we can't just pick and choose what we like from Jesus' life. Yeah? We can't be like, oh, yes, I, I love the peace that, that God gives me. I love the, you know, the joy that it gives me. But then also disregard all the elements of where it actually gets hard for us, where we want to be people who are living for the sake of other people. So what I want to do, um, just kind of at the end of the next two sections, is I just want to give a moment for us to pause and reflect again with a question. Um, and I, I know that as we are, it's, a, it's a yes or no question that you're going to answer, and I'm going to answer. But I do just feel as we reflect on these questions that the Holy Spirit is going to work in our hearts. And what I want to ask us is, are you willing to live as Christ lived? So for 30 seconds, just ponder that question. Are you willing to live as Christ lived? Great. So the next thing we see is for us living as light. So this is in verses 2 to 6. And I'm not going to read it just for the sake of time. But what Peter does is he starts off uh, with showing us that when we uh, are kind of take on suffering, taking on the life of Christ, we cease from sin. But basically what then he goes on to talk about is us having our lives transformed, right? So in this passage, he talks about there not being, uh, you know, we don't live in a certain way without sensuality, passions, drunkenness, uh, orgies, drinking parties, lawless idolatry. Um, That's what we see uh, him talk about there. Um, And one of the key things that we see throughout the book of 1 Peter is the idea of us being aliens or foreigners or exiles. And, uh, you know, that's also quite similar to our series in Daniel, but now it's outworked throughout kind of the New Testament. And what Peter is showing here is that when you, when you live your life as Christ, you end up being a light to other people around you. And you end up being someone who shows God's kingdom. In this particular passage, he's saying, he's just reminding you, if you want to live in a different way, when you are transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, it's going to cost you. It is going to cost you to live a different way. But in the grand scheme of the book of 1 Peter, 
it's actually showing us that when we live differently, it is a way to show God's kingdom. It is a way to show God's goodness to the world. And yet, so we're called to be people who, who live present exactly where we are, but to be different, to act differently. And uh, I just, again, want to uh, point out, you know, the, this list that Peter talks about here, uh, you know, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, lawless idolatry. Um, that is in verse 3. Sometimes as Christians, we can, we can pick out each of these things and we can, we can really make, we can demonize each individual action thinking, oh, it's about this, it's about this, it's about this. But that's not what Peter's doing here. What Peter is doing is that he is taking a Gentile way of living and saying, because that is who you were, once you live like Christ and are transformed by the Holy Spirit, that is no longer who you are. So he's saying it's not about those actions particularly, but it's about you being transformed and different to the culture around you. And what he's emphasizing is that you live in a different way, and that is going to be a light to the people around you. Um, one of the key elements that I really want us to notice about Peter, about how he says we're about to be a light in this passage, is that he does so emphasizing gentleness. It's not about being combative, right? Peter's not saying, go to the people who do the same things as you, and point out to them, say, don't do this, 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 don't do this. No, that's not how Peter's saying, be a light. Peter says, if you want to be a light to the people around you, deal with the way that you act. Deal with how you are, and that will be a light to the people around you. So if you act differently, people will see it. He's saying, don't be, don't get, don't, get into people's faces and try and shut down things that they're about. He's saying, no, deal with who you are. And I don't think this is just on an individual level. I think it's also in the community level that the way that we act as a group of people should be a light to the people around us. Um, another quote for you by Miroslav Volf, who is a Croatian theologian. This is how he talks about uh, bringing God's kingdom uh, in a gentle way. So he says, the community was to live an alternative way of life in the present social setting, transforming it as it could from within. In any case, the community did not seek to exert social or political pressure, but to give a public witness to a new way of life. The whole of 1 Peter is littered with defending our faith with gentleness. You know, it's one of the key themes. Almost if you read every chapter, it's about, if, in relation to how do you bring God's kingdom, how are you alight, it's with gentleness. And it's not that we, you know, the, the way that we don't do it is we don't take something from the outside and then go impose it on someone else for it to look like that, because that's what a colonizer would do. We're not doing that. Uh, we're not going to be a group of people who just block our ears and, and don't engage with culture, being like, no, 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 I don't want to engage with that. I'm just reminiscing about the good old days, uh, reading the Bible, thinking, no, God, all I want to see is that happen, but I'm not going to engage with anything here. That's not what we're doing. 
Instead, we, you and I, we all are in different spaces. And Peter's showing us that if we want to be a light, we do so from being differently right at the center of them. The way that we conduct ourselves will be a light to the people around us. So the question I now want to ask us to reflect on is, are you willing to live differently? Tex, are you willing to live differently? Let's go for 30 seconds again. Okay. So the third and last thing that I want us to look at is the idea of living for others. So that's in verses 7 to 11. Um, just a little side note here um, on the idea of being sober-minded. I absolutely love what Charles Spurgeon says about this verse. Um, he just says, Do not get intoxicated with anything, neither pride nor covetousness, nor the cares of this world. I love that. Maybe sometimes, again, we can read this and think, oh, it's about alcohol. No. In that, I think Charles Spurgeon is saying, don't be drunk with anything. You know, I don't know what it is for you. In the same way uh, about earlier, you know, where Peter is, he lists up, he reels off that list because that's contextual to him. What would that be for us? You know, for me, I know pride would be a huge thing. And Peter would be saying to me, Tex, don't be drunk with pride. That is the way that you'll be a light to the people around you. Anyway, let's move on also for the sake of time. So, last thing is living for other people, right? So, how does Peter start the passage? He talks about it almost in a very conceptual way. He talks about us ceasing from sin, uh, that as we live our lives like Christ, that we would cease from sin. So he talks about our salvation. He then goes on uh, to talk about us being a light, and he grounds it. He says, he talks a little bit about us, how we live. Um, But again, it's a broader sense. But now I love that he lands it with some super practical tools. He, He nails it practically. And this is so important for us to remember that we can't separate out our theology and our daily lives. They go hand in hand. And one of the biggest things I feel like we do as Christians, we can sometimes think so much about our salvation, our theology, but it in no way impacts our daily lives and like our pastoral practice in some senses. But what we see in almost every passage that talks about Some sort of theology, it gets nailed down in how we live our lives. You know, uh, like if you take the book of Romans, uh, it's often painted as Paul's theological masterpiece. Um, And it is. It is great. I really do love it. And we've just recently gone through the first eight chapters with our young people. And they say that the first eight chapters, theologically, they set us up so well. And they do. But if you look at all of those passages, every time Paul helps us to understand the greatness of who Jesus Christ is, how we are now joined back to him, he always nails it back in everyday examples and everyday elements of how we live. That is vital to our faith, that we can't listen to these things. We can't live like Christ if it doesn't shape our daily actions. So Paul mentions three things in this passage. He talks about loving one another. He talks about Uh, being hospitable, and then he talks about using our gifts to serve one another. And just some quick comments on each of those. So the loving one another. Now, I feel like we often have a, maybe a peculiar view of love, right? Maybe sometimes a little bit soft, a little bit more romantic, 
Um, you know, if, if I were to say to Emma, who is my wife, if I said to her, Emma, I love you dearly, everyone's like, oh, Tex, that's so cute, that's so nice. It is nice. Um, but this is not the love that we see in this bit of the Bible. Uh, particularly here, when it talks about loving one another, that's not the love that we're talking about. I think the best verse that uses the same word that helps us understand it is in 1 John 3.16. It says, how do we know what love is? Is that Christ laid his, his life down for us. So we ought to lay our lives down for one another. That is what loving one another is. It's something that is rooted in self-sacrifice. So when Paul talks about that, that is what loving one another is. Being hospitable. Now this one is for the, the, uh, the hearers of this passage. Uh, if Jews or people came to their towns, it was really unsafe for them to stay at an inn. And so these people were obligated to say, no, come and stay with me so that you don't stay in, you know, you're not sleeping on the street. And they have to do this regularly. But Peter, he says, do it without grumbling. So there's almost an expectation that this is happening constantly. The last thing that I just uh, want to make a comment is using our gifts to serve one another. Um, what I think Peter here is really emphasizing is that every one of us have a part to play in bringing God's kingdom. It's not just about a particular gift. It's not just about teaching. It's not just about um, having a prophetic gift. It's not about uh, just hospitality. It's saying whatever gift you have, it can, uh, it can help bring God's kingdom into the world. You don't have to be like someone else in order to bring God's kingdom in the world. Um, I also think it's, you know, maybe if you're here and you're maybe discounting yourself on age, thinking God doesn't want to use me, can I just say that's not the case. Here we see in this passage that by the strength of God, God wants to use you to serve one another. And what Peter's really doing, he is calling us to live like Jesus. He's calling us to live like Christ. And why do we do it? We do it all for God's glory. Yeah? We do it all for God's glory. And uh, before I, I go any further, I just want to remove some pressure off of us. Because that's what Peter does. I don't know, maybe you're listening to this thinking, Tex, I, I can't, like, that sounds hard. I can't do that. Um, I don't have enough. What we see here is that it is God who gives us all that we need. That is who we put our strength in. It's not about us. It's not about our gifts, our talents. Sometimes we like to think we're the heroes of the story, but we're not. It's about the hero who is at work in us. Yeah? So we can trust that God is going to give us all that we need, whatever we are. Uh, and in kind of every moment as we try and live our lives like Christ. And also not in the sense, not just in the, the provisional sense of, oh, I don't have enough. But I also think in terms of energy and time, that as we sacrifice ourselves for the sake of others, God will give us all that we need. Uh, and, and I say this to, to someone who, maybe you, uh, it doesn't appear it, but I'm quite introverted. So I like some alone time. I love alone time. Um, you know, especially after youth on a Friday where I'm with loads of young people, it's high energy. I love to go home and just basically sit in a room quietly, right? And sometimes to then think even the next morning to be with people, I think, I can't do that. 
I generally can't do that. What I've come to pray now is, God, please, I know, in those moments, for me, Saturday mornings are normally rugby day, so that means, Texas, that was an opportunity for you to bring God's kingdom in a rugby club. And that means, even when I don't want to go out with them in an evening, go, because it's an opportunity for me to, A, act differently, and if anyone asks me a question about Jesus, I can share who I am. God gives me the energy that I need. And sometimes, it's not just about the energy that I get, but knowing, God, I've been obedient to your call. Because that's ultimately what we're here for, is living in obedience to Jesus. Anyway, that was a bit of a side note. Um, So, God gives us all that we need. Uh, Just a quick note on hospitality as I come to round off. Um, Many of you will know my dad, Clayton, who is over here. And if you have been invited to his house for lunch, if you have been so fortunate, yeah, yeah, I know. If you haven't, you've probably heard. Um, But when my dad, uh, if you go to my dad's house, my dad absolutely puts out a feast, smashes it. You know, if you, he will ask you, what do you want to eat? So like when Emma and I go, and it's not because we're his children that he's really conscious, he's like this with everyone. He'll ask you, text, what do I want? He'll make that for me. What does, oh, does Emma want something different? Yeah, he'll make that for her. Like that is my dad. So if you go, he will make a huge spread. And it is epic. I absolutely love it. But I just want to say like, that's not the standard that we all have to do hospitality at. Amen. Yeah, I know, like. It is, it is a, a very high bar that I look at thinking, I'm not making it. But do you know what I mean? But, but actually, that is the gift that my dad has been given to serve the people around him. Like, and all respectfully, like, like really respectfully, like, there's one Clayton, we don't need more. Like, do, no, like, do you, do you know what I mean? Like, like, in the same way, there's one text, you don't need another text, please. Like, and just so that sense of a special hospitality, it doesn't have to be a huge meal. In this context, if someone was on a long, hot journey, a cold cup of water in the eyes of God was, you've done your job. You have been hospitable. And so whatever resources you might have, cup of tea, toast, glass of water, it is good enough for, in God's eyes because we're being obedient to him. So to close, like properly close, um, What I love the most about this passage is that it is purely based on the example of Jesus Christ. Jesus, uh, he suffered and he, he gave himself for the sake of others. He was a light to the people around him and his life was centered around living for other people. And I know that I can trust a man who lives like that. And I know that because when we look at Jesus' life, That was his whole life, that in the midst of his suffering, he shows us this is how we can live. And I know that the same power that, uh, like I said earlier, um, the kind of same power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in us. Um, I just want to like go back, sorry, because I feel this is so important actually, when we're talking about the gifts that God gives us, something I think is so important to us to realize, you know, this passage talks about Uh, for those who have the gift of speaking, speak as if God is speaking through you. I want you to know whatever God has, whatever gift God has given you, be confident in it. Like it's, it's, don't be, because you're confident, it doesn't mean you're proud, but be confident that whatever gift God has given you, man, 
Like, lean into that. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Like I said, same power that raised Christ from the dead is now at work in you, able to bring his kingdom. So we know we can trust Jesus to give us all that we need as we try to live our lives like Christ. So, how do we apply this? I want us to all do it together. Um, So what I do, uh, what I've got is three questions that are up there. Um, And I want you to just get into groups of two or three and pick one of them and then discuss them with the people around you. Okay? Um, And just a a quick note, as I was prepping this, I just felt, um, I know, so I said I was an introvert, so sometimes these settings, turning to someone, can be a little bit daunting. But I just want to bring some gentle challenge in that we need each other in order to follow Jesus. We genuinely need each other. And that's why many of us, our faith didn't thrive during COVID. I mean, in the midst of other things, like the other things on us, but it's because we were not with God's people face-to-face engaging with one another. So if you are here, just a challenge, like we need one another. If we want to live like Christ does, we need each other, okay? So in our groups, and then David will be up in a little bit.